Welcome, everybody, to your favorite Wednesday night podcast, the PCPS, the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society. I am your host, Sooth, and today you just get me. <laughs> um, and I hope that's okay, because uh, normally I've got someone to banter with, but today, unfortunately, I do not. Um, but I promise you, I'm going to bring that exciting content that we always provide you every week. So this week, um, I was scrolling on TikTok as one does, you know, when you're bored and you haven't much to do and everything in the house is done. Um, and I came across something that was, uh, pretty interesting that, you know, you come across something that makes you go, hmm, well, that's what I did. And um, it was it was pretty interesting to me. The TikTok, I, I don't know the creator. I can't remember because my brain works in mysterious ways. Um, <laughs> was talking about a portal to hell that was found under an altar in a Catholic church in Mexico. Um, we've had pr- a lot of run-ins with portals to hell on many different continents. Um, There's a lot of Catholic churches that are built around or on top of said portals. Um, Roman Catholic churches, Roman Orthodox churches. um, I know they're not one and the same, uh, but um, one of them that was pretty interesting to me was a church or a monastery, I think it was, that was built around a hole in the ground. Um, You can't get in, you can't get out. And um, yeah, they say that it's a portal to hell. It's pretty weird. I'll have to share that with you uh, later. But this one is going to be about the this specific portal to hell in um, Mexico. So I'm going to give a brief history here because this all ties together of the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Okay, there's costumes, foods, altars, traditions. It is a beautiful custom, a beautiful tradition that is celebrated, and it has roots in in Catholicism. Um, but it's because Catholicism and the indigenous people's beliefs were made one and the same um, quite a long time ago. And we're going to get into that as well. So just bear with me. Bear with me. The Day of the Dead, okay? It is a festivity in Mexico. And its meaning is it necessary to take take a look back in time, okay? So for uh, the peoples of Mexico, death is an omnipresent character. While in most cultures around the world, this belief is practically forbidden, which I didn't know. I had no idea that celebrating the dead was practically forbidden, forbidden everywhere. Um, but some historians refer to the ancestral festivity, almost 3,700 years old in Mexico, partially during pre-Hispanic and colonial times. So this is old, old. It goes all the way into the way back of the indigenous peoples of Mexico. So... For them, death didn't have a moral connotation of the Catholic religion. 
in which the idea of hell or paradise means punishment or reward. They didn't have a belief system in punishment and reward for after death. It was just the way that you died, the way that you passed away, um, which I thought was really close to the, um, I believe it's a Greek belief of different levels of hell or the underworld, I should say. And also another religious belief of like, oh, what is the word? I'm having a brain fart. Uh, purgatory and how there's like seven levels of hell. So I thought it was really cool how these three things had something in common. Um, but when you talk to the historians, they say that the ancients, the ancient Mexicans believed that the soul's destiny was determined by the type of death and their behavior in life. Okay, so if you're bad, there's a certain part of this underworld that you're going to, much like the Greeks in their mythos. So I unfortunately cannot pronounce half of these names. And I feel like if I were to try to, I was just, it's just going to be insulting. Um, so I'm just going to give you a few examples um, of these different places in the underworld that different souls were carried to, um, depending on the type of death that they had and how they acted in life and how they presented themselves in their everyday interactions with other humans. Um, there is, uh, souls of those who died in water related circumstances that went to a certain paradise. Those who were killed in combat or sacrificed captives and women who died in childbirth went to a certain paradise, the paradise of the sun, and it was presided over the God of war, which I think is really interesting the god of war being very protective over women and children. I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, that was really interesting to me. And unfortunately, I can out, cannot pronounce the the god of war's name or the paradise of the sun's actual name, and I don't um, want to offend by mispronouncing. So um, the children who uh, passed on, had a special place too, where a tree with branches dripped milk to feed them. All of these places that I'm reading about seem to be protective and nurturing and honoring these people who have passed in certain ways. Um, that's actually really cool. It doesn't seem so much as a doom of doom and gloom, you know, like it, doom and gloom for me when it comes to passing away, to moving from this life to the next, depending on your belief. Uh, I, I feel like that contributes to a lot of people's fear of passing on. Um, this actually seems to make it more cozy for me and not so afraid, if, uh, if that makes sense. So... It says that the terror of death after a conquest, okay, in the 16th century, after the conquest, the spread of Christianity introduced the ugly concept of death and hell to Mexico. 
And for this reason, a mixture of old and new world beliefs was observed during this time period, the day of the faithfully departed or the day of the dead. Um, Thus, the colony was a time of uh, synchronicity where the efforts of Christian evangelization had to yield to the strength of many indigenous beliefs. Good on you. Good on you. That's really hard to get uh, <laughs> to get uh, that to bend or to make compromises. So yay for the strength of the indigenous beliefs. They survived. The result was Catholicism, very typical of the Americas, characterized by a mixture of pre-Hispanic and Catholic religions. And at this time, the, tele- the celebration of the Day of the Faithfully Departed began when the remains of European and Asian saints were venerated and received in the port of Veracruz. So basically, they were transporting these people who had been canonized, these people who have been made saints from one place to another. And they were transported to different destinations and ceremonies, and they were decorated, accompanied by flower arches, prayers, processions, and blessings of the remains in the churches, okay, as well as sugar skulls and the bread of the dead, pan de muerto. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, please forgive me for not pronouncing these correctly, but these, this is just too interesting to pass up, so I am, I am trying. Mexico is a multicultural and multi-ethnic country, so the celebration lacks what they call a homogeneous character. It adds different meanings and evocations according to the indigenous people or social group that practices it, okay? So this is why the people of Mexico have managed to keep their ancient traditions alive because they melded them all into one, okay? A lot of compromise made there. Um, if you could see the pictures that I was looking up and looking at right now, it is beautiful what they put together for the day of the dead. And, uh, I'm going to share them in the discord so you can all see how gorgeous these are, but the day of the dead, let me not make tangent. (laughs) The day of the dead is celebrated from October 31st until November 2nd. And these are days designated by the Catholic Church to celebrate the memory of all saints and the faithful departed. Okay, so now that we have done a introduction to the Day of the Dead, let's get to the root of today's podcast, the portal to hell. What is the Day of the Dead and the celebration of life after death and the saints, All Saints Day, have to do with a portal to hell found in a Catholic church. Well, I'm going to I'm going to get there to it because I also didn't know much about this either. It's fascinating. It's fascinating what little tidbits you can pick up from social media and just launches this rabbit hole to go down to. So this is Santa Muerte. I'm doing my best. I'm sorry. The rise of Mexico's death saint. And this leads to what some call a death cult. 
I don't feel like it's a death cult. I just feel like it's just another saint that um, the peoples are worshiping in their everyday life, considering the social climate in Mexico, Um, especially during the 70s and 80s. There was a lot, a lot of violence having to do with certain uh, martels, martels. I'm not going to say the full word, so yeah. Anyway, um, Santa Mirte, the rise of Mexico's death saint. She is she. She is a she. She is a sight to behold, let me tell you. Um, some people say that she is the equivalent of death itself. Um, but she is a saint. <clears throat> and they actually hold a Catholic mass in honor of this saint. And the priest, I would say, uh, for lack of a better word, um, leads this in hymns and communion and readings. And it would look just like a traditional Catholic mass if it were not for the cloaked skeletons and skulls that surround this priest who is giving the mass for that day. Um, The ceremony takes place at a modest temple and Santa Mirate, to Santa Mirate, the Mexican folk saint of death. In a rundown area of Guadalajara, the nation's second biggest city. Now, despite the reputation as a death cult, like I said, for criminals and drug traffickers, Santa Mirate has surged in popularity and taken on an increasingly prominent and pulmic role in the Day of the Dead festivities held the 1st and 2nd of November. Now, Santa Mirte is known as also the Bony Lady. She is a skeleton in a robe dressed in, and the robe's not black, by the way. It's this beautiful red satin lined in gold. And offerings are brought to her of food, sugar skulls, liquor, tobacco, and people go and pray to a Santa Mirte for blessings. Given that the area, like was mentioned in here, is criminals and drug traffickers, and there was a lot of death, and people needed hope in death. Does that make sense? Is It was like what I was saying earlier. Death is scary. Um, and in many cases, death is horrible and torturous. And people needed a light at the end of the tunnel. They needed a way to comfort themselves because at the time, they didn't see a way out. Death was just going to be something that was going to come for them, young or old, wherever they may be whatever they may be doing, um, considering the violence in their cities because of these martels. So um, they turned to this saint and they asked for blessings and protections from her until it was the time for them to pass away. So the bony lady, Santa Mirte, Say her appeal lies in her non-judgmental nature 
and her supposed ability to grant wishes in return for pledges or offerings. And uh, in a quote from Mr. Santana, a lifelong devotee who has officiated at Santa Mirate temples across Mexico since 2010, it's a widely misunderstood faith. It's not a satanic mass. She gives people what they want, and when they finish their cycle of life here on earth, she comes for their souls. She's just fulfilling God's orders. How it, it's beautiful and sad. It's beautiful and sad that people are trying to find comfort in death, that people are finding comfort in death. I, oh, okay, I'm going to keep going. So according to Andrew Chestnut, an author of Devoted to Death, Santa Mirte, the Skeleton Saint, it is the fastest growing religion in the Americas with an estimated 10 to 12 million followers worldwide. Wow. Mr. Chestnut says more and more dev devotees have started incorporating Santa Mirte into Day of the Dead celebrations over the past five years. Although many Mexicans see no connection between the two, both are thought to stem from an Aztec goddess who pre presided over a festival of death every August. After conquering Mexico in the 16th century, the Spanish encouraged locals to honor the deceased on All Souls Day, leading to the emergence of the Day of the Dead as a fusion of Catholic and indigenous beliefs. Mr. Chestnut also says devotees have begun to recognize Santa Mirte as the reincarnation of this goddess and reclaim the Day of the Dead as her unofficial feast day, provoking what he says is a huge panic, and I'm putting this in air quotes, within the Catholic Church. Now, it is, they continue to say in this article um, that the Vatican has repeatedly de denounced this saint, Saint Mirte, in the lead up to the Day of the Dead in recent years, while Catholic bishops in the United States joined in in the condemnation for the first time this year. So I just feel like you're just putting your, you're putting your nose in business that doesn't concern you. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this does not concern you. These people have been practicing, and, and I say these people, I, I mean that respectfully, as in the indigenous people, the peoples of Mexico, have been celebrating this for 3,700 years. And you want to come in and tell them, no, I said no, you're not allowed. Can you go somewhere else, please? Is Europe not enough? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. But no, really, like you've got, come on, just, I mean, I feel like the world would be a much better place if we just left folks alone. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate from afar. Look how beautiful this is. Look at the comfort that they are receiving from their belief system, from what they're doing for themselves in these festivals and these feast days. And the, I mean, they compromised enough, don't you think? I think what we need is to just, you know, move our nose somewhere else into our own business. Let people live, do what they do. It's just, I mean, what is it hurting? Nothing. 
no one. As a matter of fact, it's helping people. I feel like the world does not want people to help themselves. They don't want people to feel better. And I say this is a, I don't know. They is in the powers that be, I guess. Don't help yourself. It's weird to me. People should be happy. Just let people be happy. As long as they're not hurting themselves and other people and especially children and and animals, there's no, I mean, leave them be. Leave them be. This is one of those things where you should leave them be. So Mr. Santana goes on to say in, in honor of what he calls Santa Mirta's special day, he is planning a day of the dead celebration with live music and dancing with his peoples and attendees will bring offerings such as tequila, beer, cigarettes, traditional snacks and flowers. And they do it to honor Santa Mirte and deceased friends and family. Now this guy is really cool. Okay. I have been reading up on, on Mr. Santana and how he gives, he, he celebrates and he, he, preaches and to I mean he's just offering comfort for these for people for people who seek it for people who need it and he's been a devotee since childhood okay Santa Mirte is particularly popular among the most marginalized sectors of society including migrants and the LGBTQIA community And during the Sunday services that Mr. Santana leads prayers for street children, addicts, convicts, single mothers, the unemployed, and the disabled. And worshipers have come and asked Santa Mirte for economic prosperity, less violent crime, and support for Mexico's recent earthquake victims. Now, this is is an article from... If you give me just a second and I will tell you, uh, November 1st of 2017. So this is what we're the year we are referring to. Okay. Um, who wants, why, why would you want to stop this? Why would you want to preach against this, against people and against, um, men like Mr. Santana who are just providing these the safe spaces for people to be able to believe in something and to find comfort in something. Why would you want to put an end to that? That is my question. I think about it. Think about it for a minute. I'm, I've got a pretty good idea as to why I think they would want to stop it. Um, but I tend not to share my opinions too much on the internets. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to keep going. I just want you to chew on that that question though, why would they want to stop something like this? Okay. So everyone has their own beliefs and their own way of living. And we're very open here, says the temple owner, Miguel Lemus. Okay. He says, sometimes people come to hear, come to her because they don't believe in other saints. Mr. Lemus says, and it says, it all depends on how strong your faith is. If you believe in her, she'll listen to you. That's simple. That's simple. I just think that's that's beautiful, straightforward, to the point. Straight to the point. There is a woman named Isabel who was 
He was 18 and has been a devotee since she was a child. Mind you, she was 18 in 2017, okay? Um, and she claims that Santa Mirte once cured her mother's health problems in return for her sister making a vow to always wear a rosary. Isabel says, I make the hour-long journey to the temple every month. She gives me the strength to move forward in life. I mean, <laughs> hello? Why do we feel the need to control people and how they can comfort themselves with religion? Now I will never understand. I will never understand. But keep doing the good. I know this is back from this article's from 2017, um, but I hope they're still doing the good. Keep doing the good. People need it, especially in that area, considering what I've read so far. Um, they need it. Don't take it from them. Leave them alone. Leave them be. Let. I mean, if you're not going to help them, go away. <laughs> you know, just... Mind your business. If you're not going to help, if you're going to hinder, mind your business. Keep on walking. It's not for you. Okay. So in my research on the Day of the Dead and Mexico's portal to hell, um, I came across what they, you know, as they mentioned it, the holy death cult. Okay. And so far... What I have read and what I have shared with you all are wonderful little cripplings. Um, nothing here seems like a cult. Um, nobody's drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay. Um, I mean, if we're going to call this a cult, we might as well call every religion a cult. Or every non-religion a cult. That's really close to religion but isn't exactly religion. And then it's cult. If you want to refer to this one as a cult, I just feel like everything else should also be in the same category now. Category now. I just, I don't know. So this whole, uh, I really don't feel comfortable calling it a cult anymore. It's more of uh, another religion. Um, it goes back to the Martels. Okay. How this, grew in popularity, I should say. And unfortunately, at first, Santa Mirte was associated with martels and dangerous Ming violence, okay? Um, and it kind of popped up on Mexico's war on drugs and basically how death is ever-present and they were being mm, unalived in merciless ways by these cartels. I said it. I said cartels. Don't kill me. Um, the martels. Um, you know what's screwed? The cartels were making offerings for courage. And their relatives were praying for protection from the law. And for those living in the crossfire, holy death Holy death is the only sect that makes sense in the world's most violent cities. How is that for an introduction to, for, to a saint? Right? Kind of makes it out like she's a, she's no good. She's the bad juju. But 
listen to listen to just listen okay so it's incredible how people have turned this ugly situation into something beautiful something that they can draw faith and hope from okay when i was reading this article from gq about uh mexico's mexico's holy death cult as they put it um this one was uh in august 2020 it was a very descriptive piece about the author uh labadif um hoping i'm pronouncing that correctly um and their journey through uh, the, the city that they decided to go do this piece in. Um, they ran into people who unfortunately had to deal with a lot of the Martels. And one of them was a man who was his own boss. He owned a very thriving nightclub. And he said, uh, you're the boss of your own time. You don't have to tell anybody else what you're doing. You can just do it. And in his spare time, he loved to go biking out in the desert. And this man's name is Julian. And he is telling his stories about how the gangsters arrived at his business, his nightclub, and they demanded protection money. And if he didn't pay, he would be persecuted by them. And if he did, he would have their protection from them. Make it make sense. Make, ugh. Anyway, so they basically threatened him. Give me your money or we're going to do unimaginable, horrible things to you. So for years, he said he paid whatever they asked. And they demanded larger and larger sums as they do. Until one day he couldn't he couldn't do it anymore and he was bankrupted. Okay, he didn't have the money to give these Martels anymore for any type of protection from said Martel. And he was terrified, but he just, he had no choice. He couldn't give anymore. There was nothing left to give. So at first they threatened him. And then after several weeks of threats, they um, did a pew pew in his arm. Okay. And uh, he thought it was over. He thought, oh, you know, here I am. I got pew pewed in the arm, but I'm okay. I'm alive. I still have my business. Maybe everything will work out. Negative, my friend. It did not. It got worse. Okay, as it does. And even though he believed that they had extracted their price by wounding him in the arm, he will be able to get on with his life. But now they're back, still demanding what he said, in air quotes, their money. He explained again he didn't have it. So what do they do? They drag him into the street in the middle of the day, everybody present, and... um. Remove his feet. I'm not going to tell you how, but they did. In front of gods and country, they mutilated this man. Okay? So, of course, you know, people were like, why don't you go to the police? He said he considered to go to the police, but he laughed. He was like, in northern Mexico, the police and the gangs work together. They didn't hide it. They would go with their uniform to extort the money with the gangsters, and they never kept it secret. He said if he had gone to the police to complain, 
I would probably not be here giving you this interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Police gangsters. One in the same in Mexico. No protection. No hope. Right? Pew! Right out the door. Mr. Julian continued saying that his life changed completely. When you're missing part of your body, you are no longer complete. They did that to prove a point. That they weren't playing anymore and that there was nowhere I could hide. There was nowhere I could go. That they meant business. So he had no choice but to flee his country. And he's still afraid. He's still afraid that his that they're going to go after his family, that they're going to mutilate or unalive his family. And his real name has not been published. Thank the goddess, okay? But he said it wasn't always like this. Years ago, when Mexico's war on drugs started, when then-President Felipe Calderon declared war on the the Martels in 2006, that's when various organized crime groups sort of just exploded. So in the 2,000-mile border between the United States and Mexico is one of the most important drug smuggling routes in the world, and the area is controlled by organized crime on the Mexican side. Now, this is what is being... uh, stated. Um, we're just going to go with that. Um, so there's, uh, there's drug smuggling and it's one of the most important drug smuggling routes in the world. And the area is controlled by organized crime and gangs kill each other to control the smuggling routes and have recruited supporters in the police and the army of Mexico. So, People are trying to cope and they're trying to cope with terror and insecurity and they have no foundation. It's a rocky foundation, y'all. You can't even be at home. You can't go, you can't walk down the street. You can't go buy the foods you need. You don't have the money. There's a stranglehold on the economy in some places. Okay. It's just, it's just bad all the way around. Okay. So. People have turned to worship death herself. They are finding comfort in that. And you will not find angels at the church of Santa Mirte. There is an altar, but there is no Christ. Instead, there are 12 skeletons for people to kneel before. Each is dressed in its own color. One a white wedding dress, another a green bonnet. And there's also a figure wielding a huge scythe while its near neighbor, the other skeleton, balances the scales of justice in their bony hands from their bony fingers. Now, one thing I found interesting about this is not only is it 12 skeletons that are representing death, but they are also representing justice and the lack thereof if you if you if you get my drift okay so people are doing offerings 
at the feet of these skeletons and they're doing it in hopes for a favor. They leave money and cigarettes, sweets, alcohol. They have a festival day dedicated to the holy death. The She's basically like the Grim Reaper of Mexico. Okay. And what... No one did. I just think it's sad. I, my mind's a little blown here that people that now people are so so secure in their own death. They are so secure in the fact that they are going to pass away somehow, whether it be brutally at the hands of these martels or not. That they decided to take their power back in some form or fashion. They took their power back by worshiping death herself. By asking for favors and protection from Santa Mirte, the Holy Death. Now, I, I again, I don't believe this is a cult. I don't. I believe it's a bunch. Of, uh, I, I believe it's desperate people needing comfort and needing to be reassured that they're going to be okay in some form or fashion, whether it be in this life or the next. Um. It goes on to describe um, the church and the altar and the skeletons, um, but it also goes on with a interview with a woman who was there um, praying, one of the devotees, and she was there asking for a blessing. Um, she's obviously tired. She's the signs of poverty, age, it's on her. She is she has gone through a very hard life. And she was asked and she said the more and more people are coming because of the violent times in the city. Uh she goes on to say that Santa Mirte has our wishes. And then says that some 60,000 people, it says that some 60,000 people have died here in the past five years alone. She says it's for the people that holy death is a necessity nowadays. Their only hope is death. Mm. Wow. So now on... All Saints Day, she rivals the Virgin of Guadalupe as the most important icon in the country. That first public statue became a shrine, and several thousand people now regularly attend the monthly service at its altar. A few miles away is the Totem's first church, offering masses, weddings, baptisms, exorcisms, and other ceremonies normally reserved for the country's Roman Catholic hierarchy. Her, her devotees are now believed to be, believed to number seven million. Seven million. So you see the difference between 2017 and 2020? Seven million people. Seven million. That's incredible. So this, this saint, the Grim Reaper, the Holy Death, is a representative of hope 
It is a representative of the fallen, of the faithfully departed, and is a beacon to people in violent times of for comfort. I, I still don't see this as a cult. You can't convince me that it's a cult. You just can't. So now that I've covered all of that and given you some explanation and basis of the holy death, let's go into how they found an entrance to hell underneath a church. Okay, so this one is from July 6th, 2023. And it says <laughs> that there was a structure that is to believe to be an opening to hell. And it was discovered in the site of Mitla. I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, it consists of a labyrinth leading underground. And apparently it was frequently used by the Zapotec culture who lived in the area for around 2,200 years until the Spanish conquests in 1521. So um, the structure has its origins much, much earlier. The site was expanded by the Zapotecs, and it was used extensively until a church was later built over it after they left the area. I think they're putting that mildly i don't feel like they just kind of up and moved but okay so they say around the late 16th century ce after the spanish had welcomed themselves to the americas <laughs> that's one way of putting it a catholic church and other structures were plonked right on top of the site they were pow right here this looks like a good place for a church and uh, traditionally, the ancient Zaptecs believed the ruin to be a doorway to the world of the dead. And it's thought that the entrance to the passages could be through the main altar of the church. So there were teams sent from the Mexican National Institute of History and Anthropology the National Autonomous University of Mexico, and the Association for Archaeological Research and Exploration, and the ARX Project, all collaborated on the findings of this entrance to the underworld, okay? And what they did is they used geophysical scanning to uncover the complex tunnels. So there's, like they said, it's a labyrinth underneath this altar, okay? And it says uh, it's about 16 to 26 feet below the ground. And uh, they said it could be a pretty large chamber. And there's, it's still developing, um, you can watch several YouTube videos on it um, out right now, which I think is it's pretty cool. Um, they said in 1674, the Dominican father Francisco de Burgoa, de Burgoa described the exploration of the ruins and their subterranean chambers by a group of Spanish missionaries. Burgoa's account speaks of a vast subterranean temple consisting of four interconnected chambers 
containing the tombs of the high priests and the kings. And from the last subterranean chamber, a stone door led into a deep cavern extending 30 leagues below ground. This cavern was intersected by other passages like streets, its roof supported by pillars. According to Berga, the missionaries had all entrances to the underground labyrinth sealed, leaving only the palaces standing above ground. So what makes it a portal to hell? I'm not sure. They don't really explain how this could be a portal to hell. I just think it's because it's underground. Um, it seems more like a an elaborate underground cemetery. Um, a place to house their revered. Um, I'm still not sure how it's a portal to hell yet. But that's how I that's how far I have gotten so in in this rabbit hole of the portal to hell in Mexico. Um, as I was researching that, which there wasn't much to go on yet, yet, okay, um, I found um, an article that was published in January 25th in 2023 by uh, Sean Reveron. Uh, and it's talking about another portal to hell in Mexico. I mean, they're starting to get right up there with Ohio with their two hell towns. <laughs> but apparently this is more like um, witches. So he goes on, the author goes on to talk about a black mass and Satanists of Catamaco, Catamaco, Mexico, Catamaco, Mexico. <sighs> I need to take Spanish. I do. Anyway, I need to learn a lot of languages. <clears throat> the small, t there's a small town located on the eastern Gulf Coast among rolling hills of vast jungle and volcanoes, y'all, and one big, massive lake. And apparently there's more to that place than just the valleys and the waterfront and all of the prettiness of the land. There are brujos or warlocks, and they are considered to be the most feared and powerful shamans in Mexico. What? This is so weird. This is so weird to me. There is a there is a priest. Um, <clears throat> his name is uh, let's see, Reyes. Um, and he, he there is a picture here of him leading the annual Black Mass, and uh, it's there's upside down pentagrams and the all-seeing eye and uh women scantily clad dancing around um it's uh it's it's, it's crazy it's kind of crazy but anyway um it goes on to say that he is uh reyes is the chief brujo and um he actually has business cards 
Um, and the business cards are very elaborate. It's a picture of uh, of himself, Reyes, um, in front of a burning pentagram. And it goes on to say it's overlaid with images of beautiful women and demonic faces. I mean, that's one way to sell yourself. Um, he's in his late 60s. And he's lived in that town for his entire life. And he claims that this place is a portal between Earth and the underworld. And throughout history, darkness has come from the caves in our hills. And I invoke it. He owns it, guys. He owns it. He owns it. He is... I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, he, he also has students, one of them being Enrique. <clears throat> And they perform things like cleansing ceremonies. Um, it also looks like they do uh, things like sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Um, and there's bones that uh, line the walls of one of their offices. <laughs> I'm not laughing at them. I'm just the, the absurdity. I am... Okay, look, it's just what I'm looking at here looks like a a scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's what it looks like to me. It's just that's what it looks like to me. And they claim, Enrique claims, that they consult with dark spirits working with them to fill, fulfill the desires of his clients. He says, there are three creatures I work with, Lucifer, Satan, and the devil. And he points to three different statues of horned beings. They are all different, and I am friends with each of them, he says. So, um, Enrique looks very nice and red. Although it, it seems to bring out the sunburn on his cheeks a little too much for me. But, you know, there's concealer for that. Um, yeah. So it's. Um, the author says that when they were in the. In the cave. With. Enrique. That it felt uncomfortable. Um, heavy. The atmosphere was very heavy. And he, the author believes that various rituals that occur here, and this is a sincere attempt to manifest dark spirits in reality, is what is weighing on him <clears throat> metaphysically. These two are not one in the same, by the way. It's just two different hellscapes located in Mexico. Uh, one's taking it to the point of... Uh, worshiping dark spirits and calling down the darkness from the caves and the surrounding areas. And the other one, on the other hand, represents hope in death. I, I guess, and there is a hope in, in death with uh, this satanic cult. I really hate calling it satanic or Satanism because it's not the worship of oneself. They're actually worshiping Lucifer. So it'd be more like Luciferianism, but okay. Um, but there is sacrifices, animal sacrifices that are made that, and they do, which is weird to me. I, I mean, it, it seems like the end goal is the same of these two, uh, hellscapes. Um, 
with these Luciferianisms, the the Brujo is cleansing people, blessing people. Um, they're also uh, expelling evil. As they are worshiping evil, they are expelling evil. And they, you know, they didn't actually call it evil. They don't see. They didn't say evil. Just dark. Just dark spirits. So, but they do exorcisms. Um, one of them, it says here, um, in this expert from Mexico's portal to hell, where brujos do the devil's work. This is from Cult Nation. Um, it says there is a healing ceremony at the edge of town. And this is from the author's perspective. He says he finds the old brujo sitting in the corner of a small room in a white robe with gold edging trimmed and trimming flowers. And a young woman with an incurable stomach disease is here in hope that he can draw the sickness out and save her life. Today, I will use white magic to help this woman, he tells the author. The woman lays still on the ground, her eyes closed, her breath heavy, and Montez begins to shout at something that is not visible in the room. His words grow louder as he prays for assistance. Moving his hands over her body, his eyes glazed over. An associate holds a bell by the woman's belly and rings it sharply before throwing white and yellow flower petals over her body. The woman begins to shake and moan. With your power, take the evil out of her, the old brujo shouts, throwing his hands in the air. She begins to calm, and when she is still, Montez tells her she may leave. The cleansing is done, and the woman has apparently been healed. So it's not, it's not all doom and gloom in these portals to hell. So that's interesting to me. Um, so yeah. So that's what I have found so far on the two separate portals to hell located in two different cities of um, Mexico. And both are different but similar. And I don't I don't see them as portals to hell. Um, and I don't see it as a cult. I see it as desperate times, desperate measures and solace. People have found solace in their own way. So thanks for joining me tonight to listen to me ramble to myself about what I have found so far on the portals to hell in Mexico. Um, if you have any information, uh, any further information on these uh, archaeological places and the religion or what is turned into a religion, I don't even know if I want to call it a religion. Um, if you have any for more information on the holy death. Uh, please don't hesitate to share it with us. I, as you can tell, I love to learn. I love to research. And um, unfortunately, there wasn't enough information available. A lot of them are more like POV types of um, articles that are out there. So I would love to hear more of the lore, more of the the folklore, more of the indigenous practices of Mexico. I don't, I don't feel like we have enough out there to learn. Um, so if you feel like educating um, and, and sharing your knowledge, um, I would appreciate it very much. You can join our discord. We have a link to it in our solo link. Um, 
I just opened up a Facebook. <laughs> um, so you can also find us on Facebook. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully my, um, my co-hosts will be available next week um, as they are going through some family things at the moment. And we wish them all the love from us. And, uh, and yeah, all the love to our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Love you much, my little cripplings. And as I always say, don't forget the salt. Check under your bed. Grab your favorite whoopie and turn on your nightlight because you don't want those woolly burgers to get you. All right. I'm out. Bye.